This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Greeted on the tarmac at Taipei's International Airport by Taiwan's foreign minister and other Taiwanese and American government officials. In a statement upon arriving, Pelosi said the visit honors America's unwavering commitment to supporting Taiwan's vibrant democracy. China responded to the visit by putting its military on high alert and announcing a series of military demonstrations in the waters off Taiwan. CBS's Nancy Cordes starts us off. The guessing game about Pelosi's plans ended with this late night touchdown in Taipei. The House Speaker was greeted by local officials, even hailed with a welcome message on Taiwan's tallest skyscraper. But across the narrow Taiwan Strait, China responded, announcing new live-fire military drills encircling Taiwan and warning that the U.S. would pay the price for undermining China's interests. The Speaker has the right to visit Taiwan. Here in Washington, the administration offered cautious backing for the trip, but they weren't always so supportive. Well, I, I think that the military thinks it's not a good idea right now. To reduce tensions, Speaker Pelosi's flight path from Malaysia took her away from the Chinese mainland and the South China Sea. Her journey was tracked by nearly three million people online. I believe she has every right to go. You do not want the Chinese Communist Party dictating to senior American leaders where they can and cannot travel. Pelosi isn't the first lawmaker to visit Taiwan this year, but she's the first House Speaker to do so in 25 years. And she's been a thorn in China's side since 1991, when she unfurled a pro-democracy banner in Beijing's Tiananmen Square. In an op-ed today, Pelosi said she made the trip because, quote, we cannot stand by as China proceeds to threaten Taiwan. What is this going to do to the U.S.-China relationship, which is already so fraught. We don't want to see this spiral into any kind of a crisis or conflict. 
we want to be able to maintain those lines of communication. It's going to depend a lot on how China behaves uh, over coming days and weeks. One of the things the White House will be watching for is whether China tries to retaliate against the U.S. or Taiwan economically. In fact, John, just today, China suddenly banned shipments from 100 Taiwanese food exporters. Nancy Cordes for us at the White House. Thank you, Nancy. Tonight, we are learning more about the successful drone strike that killed al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zawahiri in Afghanistan. CBS's Catherine Herridge has the new details on how the decades-long manhunt finally came to an end. Smoke rose after two Hellfire missiles used by the U.S. military for targeted assassinations rained down on Ayman al-Zawahiri. After the drone strike, green tarps hung from a building where it's believed he spent his final moments before he was killed on a balcony. Americans can feel safer today now that the leader of al-Qaeda, Ayman al-Zawahiri, is off the battlefield. Even with a $25 million bounty on his head, the al-Qaeda leader's whereabouts was a lingering mystery for U.S. intelligence. Earlier this year, the terrorist leader was tracked down to the busy Afghan capital of Kabul, where he reunited with family. After an intelligence briefing where the president saw a model of the terrorist safe house, he authorized the strike. This mission was carefully planned, rigorously minimized the risk of harm to other civilians. The fact al-Zwahiri was in Kabul underscores the close relationship between al-Qaeda and senior Taliban leadership and a violation of the Taliban's commitment not to harbor terrorists. We are communicating directly with the Taliban about their obligations not to allow al-Qaeda uh, to use Afghanistan as a basis for plotting. Al-Zwahiri played a key role in the 9-11 attacks and plots that murdered Americans overseas at two U.S. embassies in East Africa and on the USS Cole in Yemen. After Navy SEALs raided this compound in Pakistan, killing al-Qaeda founder Osama bin Laden, al-Zwahiri took over. After last year's chaotic withdrawal of U.S. forces from Afghanistan, Mr. Biden insisted the weekend strike shows the U.S. ability to target terrorists remains strong. No matter how long it takes, no matter where you hide, if you are a threat to our people, the United States will find you and take you out. And Egyptian Saif al-Adil, described as the terror group's military leader, is the likely successor. A former senior U.S. military official told CBS News that while the leadership has changed, al-Qaeda remains a resilient adversary that seeks out safe havens. John. A resilient adversary. Thank you, Catherine Herridge. After nearly a week of delays, outrage and protests, tonight the Senate is once again trying to pass a bill which will expand health care and disability benefits to veterans exposed to toxic burn pits in Iraq and Afghanistan. CBS's Scott McFarlane has the latest. With war veterans outside the Capitol demanding action, a long-awaited plan to expand medical benefits for service members headed toward passage, making it easier for vets sickened by toxic fumes from burn pits to get treatment. Susan Zyer's son-in-law, Heath Robinson, died of lung cancer, she believes, from exposure to burn pits in Iraq. The first words out of the oncologist's mouth when he was giving him the diagnosis was, um, what the hell have you been exposed to? Veterans felt blindsided last week when Republicans unexpectedly blocked the burn pit legislation. They haven't met a veteran, they won't screw over. Their protest was powered by talk show host John Stewart. We see a lot of protests around here. Is yes. This one having more of an impact. If it takes this to get something so unbelievably low-hanging and common sense done, 
Holy God. What are we doing with the rest of it? Tonight, Republicans dropped their opposition. The veterans service organizations will be pleased with the final result. Veterans organizations tell CBS News this legislation could impact more than three million vets, including those exposed to toxins as far back as Vietnam. The president supports the bill, says he'll sign it as soon as it reaches his desk. John. Scott McFarland at the Capitol. Thank you, Scott. And Nora spoke with John Stewart for her next episode of Person to Person, which premieres tonight at 1030 Eastern, 730 Pacific on the CBS News app. We turn now to primary day across America. Voters are heading to the polls in five states today, setting up pivotal races for November's midterm elections. In Arizona, one of the Republican contests features a candidate supported by former President Trump facing off against one supported by his vice president. CBS's Ed O'Keefe is there. Tonight in Arizona, dueling Republican candidates for governor backed by former President Donald Trump and former Vice President Mike Pence are once again exposing divisions as wide and deep as the Grand Canyon. The party of Lincoln, the party of Ronald Reagan, and the party of our favorite President Donald J. Trump! Carrie Lake is a former TV news anchor who earned Trump's nod. I think our policies appeal to independents, Democrats, and Republicans. But Karen Taylor Robson, a business executive backed by Pence, doesn't think so, arguing Lake's too extreme. We must get back to a, a, a place where the Republican Party is about addition and multiplication. Because on the current path that we're on, where we're just dividing, 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 and fighting, fighting, fighting all the time, the former president's preference remains a big factor for Republican primary voters. And I love Trump and all of the people that he's endorsing. I, I wouldn't vote for anybody that he hasn't uh, endorsed. 57% of Republicans nationwide say they're more likely to vote for a candidate who gets a Trump endorsement. But our CBS News battleground tracker also finds Trump support makes registered voters overall less likely to vote for a candidate. In today's five contests, three incumbent House Republicans who voted to impeach him face primary challenges from Trump-backed candidates who believe the 2020 election was stolen. And in Missouri's crowded Senate primary, contenders have sought Trump's backing for more than a year. He weighed in on Monday night, announcing support for Eric. But there's a problem. The former president didn't specify which Eric. Did he mean Eric Greitens, the former governor, or Eric Schmidt, the attorney general? Doesn't matter to them. A Trump endorsement so valuable in the GOP primary that they both accepted his support. John? Ed O'Keefe out on the trail for us. Thank you, Ed. In Kentucky, the death toll is expected to rise as rescuers find more victims of powerful flooding that swept away entire neighborhoods. In Northern California, at least four people have now died in the McKinney Fire, the largest wildfire in the state this year. Much of the country is now facing extreme and potentially record-breaking heat. So for more, let's bring in Weather Channel meteorologist Mike Bettis. Good evening, Mike. John, good evening. Excessive heat and expanding heat, a bigger issue this week across the Ohio Valley all the way to the East Coast, including places like hard-hit eastern Kentucky, where after the floods, temperatures now climbing into the 90s. A lot of people here still without electricity, still without air conditioning. Now that heat... As the jet stream goes north, expands all the way to the I-95 corridor. Temperatures could be 10 to 15 degrees above average through the remainder of the week, including temperatures 
95 to 100 degrees along the I-95 corridor, including D.C. and Philadelphia by Thursday. Now that heat also an issue across the northwest. We're also very dry, increasing fire danger here with red flag warnings and fire weather watches. Then also comes, John, the threat for flooding, monsoon moisture in the southwest, more rain in the Ohio Valley. It's got us coming and going. Thank you, Mike. In Texas, a jury is considering how much conspiracy theorist Alex Jones should pay for lying that the 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School massacre was a hoax. The parents of one of the six-year-old victims is suing him, claiming his lies put them through a living hell. Here's CBS's Janet Shamlian. Emotional testimony from Neil Heslin. He's the father of six-year-old Jesse Lewis, killed at Sandy Hook Elementary in 2012. When you lose a child, you're... You're losing part of yourself, and those feelings don't go away. Heslin and Jesse's mom, Scarlett Lewis, are suing conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. Jones, on his InfoWars program, told his audience of millions that the massacre was a hoax, calling the victims and their families crisis actors. They staged Sandy Hook. The evidence is just overwhelming. The parents are asking for $150 million, saying they've endured years of harassment and threats by Jones's followers. Alex started this fight, um, and I'll finish this fight. Heslin called Jones a coward for not being present for his testimony. But Jones was in court this afternoon as Scarlett Lewis, the boy's mother, took the stand and addressed him directly. My son existed. You're still on your show today trying to say that I'm uh, implying that I'm an actress. Raise your right hand. Late today, Jones took the stand in his own defense. I never intentionally tried to hurt you. The internet had a lot of questions. I had questions. Jones put his company into bankruptcy last week, which may delay two other damaged trials scheduled for September. Janet Shemlian, CBS News. Still ahead on tonight's CBS Evening News, abortion is on the ballot for the first time since Roe was overturned. We'll take you to the battleground state when we come back in 60 seconds. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Tonight, the Justice Department is suing the state of Idaho over its abortion law that will ban nearly all of those procedures, including abortions considered necessary to protect the life of the mother. That's something the government says conflicts with the state's obligation under Medicare to provide emergency care. CBS's Caitlin Huey Burns is in Kansas tonight, where voters will be the first to weigh in on abortion rights since Roe was overturned in June. For Lori Mosqueda, tonight's vote on abortion access is personal. When I was 15 years old, um, I accepted a ride home from work from a co-worker, and he took me down to the river and left me there. I screamed no, and I wasn't heard then. He didn't listen to me. But I'm going to vote no, and people are going to listen. Walking through these suburban Wichita neighborhoods, it's easy to find different points of view. Ideally, of course, I think we would all love a total ban. 
Right now, there are only four abortion clinics left in the state, where the procedure is legal up to 22 weeks of pregnancy. Voters will decide whether to amend the state's constitution. Voting no will keep abortion rights in place. Voting yes will overturn them and allow the state legislature, which is controlled by Republicans, to act. As a lawmaker, do you want to see a ban? Well, my personal opinion, uh, I think we need more restrictions. Kansas is the first state in the nation to vote on reproductive rights following the decision to overturn Roe. But it will not be the last, and the decision will have an impact beyond its borders. So what's at stake in this election? I think not just reproductive choice in Kansas, but in Missouri, in every border state, and frankly, access to vital family and women's health care, really in the Great Plains entirely. I think it reverberates nationally. No matter how the vote goes tonight, abortions will still be legal here in Kansas until the state legislature decides. And they come back into session in January. John? Caitlin Huey Burns in Kansas. Thank you. Up next, the monkeypox outbreak worsens as a federal emergency official is put in charge of the national response. The Biden administration has appointed a top official from FEMA to coordinate the administration's response to the worsening monkeypox outbreak in the United States. Robert Fenton helped lead FEMA's mass COVID vaccination effort last year. More than 5,800 cases of monkeypox have now been confirmed in the U.S. in every state except Montana and Wyoming. At least four children have tested positive. States of emergency have been declared in California, Illinois, and New York. Still ahead, a gunman storms into a liquor store and wait till you see what happens next. A group of robbers apparently targeted the wrong liquor store in Southern California. Surveillance video shows one of the masked suspects armed with an assault-style rifle bursting into the store on Sunday when he was greeted by more than the pleasing jingle on the door. The 80-year-old owner blasted him with his shotgun. The gunman ran out yelling, he shot my arm off. Police later tracked down the suspects at a hospital. The owner later had a heart attack, but is recovering. We'll be right back with a life-saving assist from a basketball champion. Winning an NBA championship comes with a lot of perks. There are the parades, trophies, and of course the championship ring. CBS's Jamie Yukas introduces us to one former player using his rings to help the children of Ukraine. Slava Medvedenko played alongside Shaq and Kobe, winning back-to-back championships with the L.A. Lakers. And he's got bling to show for it. What did the rings mean to you before February? A lot. A lot. Tell me why you're selling them. Because I want to help my country. Everything changed with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Medvedenko's homeland, and where he remains. This week, his two rings are up for auction. I just recognize I can die. This rings will just sit in the safe and cannot help me. I have to do something positive. A hundred percent of the money from the sale will go to Medvedenko's Fly High Foundation. To help uh, kids to move them uh, in a safe place. And once the war is over? To rebuild and fix the uh, sport gyms in school because hundred schools totally destroyed. Why are sports so important to kids? Sport, uh, it's a... Uh, mentally rehabilitation so the simple things in life now really matter not championship rings yes. 
Exactly. Exactly. A safe future for children of Ukraine. That has a nice ring to it. Jamie Ukas, CBS News. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. For Nora O'Donnell, I'm John Dickerson. Good night. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay. And and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> I respond to quickly. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I expected I expected you to lay into me. Well, this was over the strike period. Oh, I had time. Yeah. See, that, that, does, that doesn't count. <laughs> Sure, I responded to everything because responding to you, putting reruns up on the podcast was like a form of employment. Yeah. And I felt like I had something to get up for every yeah. day. So thank you for that. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.